The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, preached on November 21, 2012, based on 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God through which the Holy Spirit stirs thankfulness in our hearts is 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. The text will be read throughout the sermon here tonight. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Now, what do you say? In that way, parents have taught their children to say those two words, thank you, and, and rightly so. But as you well know, thankfulness is more than simply saying those two words or, or sending a thank you note now and then. Thankfulness is something that really begins in the depths of our hearts. And tonight, we want to take a look at the account of Naaman and Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 5 and learn about the attitudes of thankfulness in our heart that spring up into our lives. You can almost maybe picture it like flowers springing up out of the ground. So thankfulness springs up out of our hearts and just as flowers bloom in many different colors in many different ways, so our thankfulness springs up in words, in faith, and in actions. Those are the three parts here tonight as we think about thankfulness springing up from our hearts. Part one, focusing on our words. And let's get into the text here and, and learn what's happening here. 2 Kings 5. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. And Aram was the nation north of Israel. Think of modern-day Lebanon and Syria. Continues. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Leprosy was a, an uncurable and deadly disease eating away at the body. We learn a little more here. Now, bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. Now imagine how you would feel if you were a child, snatched away from your parents, your family, your home, your, your friends, and forced to slave away in a strange country. Why God? Why me? How could you let this happen? How could you do this to me? I think that's what would come out in my heart and words. But not for this little slave girl. Listen to her words as the text continues here. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria he would cure him of his leprosy. Samaria was the capital of northern Israel. And rather than bitterness and resentment in this girl, look at what those words show 
to you and me. These are not words of resentment. These are not words of anger against God. These these are words of, of contentment. Words that realize that God is taking care of her. Yes, she is saying, look, my God is a great and merciful God. He can take care of me, even here in this strange land, and he can even cure leprosy. That's how good and great and merciful he is. In a little bit, we'll see just how these wonderful words from this little missionary slave girl contrasts with the words of the king of Israel and how different words of thankfulness are. We continue here as we move towards that point. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him uh, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And now here come the words from the king of Israel and see how they contrast with what you heard from the slave girl. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Who, why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel, quarrel with me? Yes, what a contrast, huh? What a stark contrast with the words from that little girl. So what can we learn about our words of thankfulness that spring up from our hearts? What can we learn in this first part here? Well, First of all, we see that that hearts that are filled with self-absorption and and worry about what others are going to do or what might happen, hearts like this heart of the king of Israel here, such hearts cannot speak words that are truly thankful. But dear Christian friends, when our hearts accept the situation that we are in in life, when our hearts look to the Lord, our dear Father in heaven, to see us through even the worst of times, when our hearts trust Him and and rely on His merciful goodness and His bountiful grace to see us through and take care of us no matter what. Yes, hearts like this little slave girl's heart. From such hearts, words come. Words not only that say thank you or say a prayer or, or send a, a hymn of thanks to heaven now and then, but words that honor and glorify the true God, just as we see this little girl doing. She honors and glorifies the true God. And so also we want our words to be words of thanks that point others to the true God, the Lord the only God who saves. For we were suffering from something much worse than leprosy. Sin, our own grievous sin, 
eats away from our souls on the ins- from the inside out. And only the Lord God has saved us from our sins through his Son, Jesus Christ. And so we want our words of thanks to lead others to see Jesus, just as the words of this little girl led Naaman to see the true God. And that's what we want to look at now as we move on to the second part here, that as our thankfulness springs up from our hearts, it, it not only shows itself in our words, but we see something happening in this great general, Naaman. We keep on reading here in, in 2 Kings chapter 5. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Now let's try to put ourselves in Naaman's place here. He had been going through a lot to get his leprosy cured. Just think of how he had to stoop in order to leave his powerful nation and go to this lesser nation of Israel seeking help. And and picture the display of his chariots and horses drawing up to the lowly prophet's house here. And now the prophet doesn't even come and greet him. Simply sends a messenger. And what a, a silly message. Go wash in that dirty Jordan River seven times. Didn't make any sense to him. Yes, people are willing to go through a lot, but everyone has their breaking point, and this is what Naaman says. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters uh, of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in anger and rage. No evidence of thankfulness at all there. But we're not done yet. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became as clean as that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. So what a change, huh? What a change in Naaman after raging off in anger and now now returning with such thankfulness. What 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 was the difference? What had changed in him? In a word, 
faith. You see, faith is like a beggar's hand. It receives whatever God offers. And a beggar's hand is empty. It has nothing to give to God. Rather, it depends entirely on God's mercy. Before this point, Naaman had been too proud to receive the help that God wanted to give him. Now, don't get me wrong here. Naaman did show a lot of humility. He wasn't arrogant in a sense that turns people off. He, he seems to be quite a humble man, as we talked about, stooping to go to Israel and even to this lowly prophet's house. He knew he needed help to get cured. But there was still a remnant of pride that he was clinging to. He wasn't coming with an empty hand. He was clinging to this, this pride that wanted the prophet to acknowledge him or, or wanted the prophet to come out and, and wave his hand over the spot to show that this was an important matter or, or maybe he wanted to be given some great task to do so that he could feel that he was helping out in, in his cure. And that's why the Lord proceeds the way he does to show Naaman that there is nothing, nothing that he can offer, nothing that he can do to cure that leprosy, nothing that would make any sense. It all belonged to the Lord. Faith is that empty hand of a beggar receiving whatever the Lord promises. And that is the lesson for us to learn as well here. Faith receives what our Lord promises without thinking that we can in some way repay him. And the temptation is for us to cling to some vestige of pride and often yet still sound very humble when we do that. That's the temptation to, to have a line of thinking something like this. Yes, I know I'm a sinner and Jesus is the only one who can pay for my sins. But why am I saved and not others? There, there, there must be something different in me, some choice, some... Uh, some decision on my part, even if it's just something small and weak that had made me different from those who haven't believed. Otherwise, God's way wouldn't make any sense. And even though his ways are far above mine, I should at least be able to make sense of this. Do you see how that line of thinking isn't faith? It's, it's clinging to something in me rather than coming with that empty hand that is ready to receive whatever our Lord promises. And that too is why Elisha refused any of the lavish gifts that Naaman brought. He didn't want Naaman, Naaman to begin to think that he could offer God something in exchange. He wanted Naaman to continue to believe that the Lord gives freely, graciously, at no cost, with no strings attached, unconditionally. And what great and lavish gifts the Lord has given to you and to me, dear friends. The forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. We receive them by faith alone. We dare not think that our responses of thanks in any way is given in exchange for them. It's sort of to use a human example. If someone gives you a grand gift and then you offer to 
pay them for it, that, that's an insult. And in the same way as the Lord offers us forgiveness, life, and salvation, faith like a beggar's hand offers nothing but simply receives what the Lord gives. And oh, what great things the Lord our God has given. The Father sent his Son and gave him as the Savior you and I desperately need. The Son gave himself, offering himself as the sacrifice in our place for our sins, turning God's anger away from us and reconciling us to God through his blood. The Holy Spirit has washed you clean and made you alive in Christ so that you are an heir of heaven through faith in Jesus. Receive these gifts with that faith. For you see, when we hear God's promise and believe them unconditionally without thinking we have to offer or we have to anything in return, that, that act of faith that receives what our Lord offers, that faith is the first thanksgiving that we are showing to God. The first thankfulness by receiving what he offers. That's the second lesson for us to learn here. That our thankfulness that springs from our hearts is rooted in that faith that like a beggar's hand receives from God what he promises. Not thinking we can offer anything in exchange. And yet, dear friends, such faith is also a living, busy, active, powerful thing as you heard last Sunday. Faith takes action. Not to repay God, but because that's what faith is. It, it, it wants to, to, to live for God. And that's what we see in Naaman as well as we move into part three here. We see Naaman's faith take action as, as we look at verse 17. This is right after Elisha has refused those lavish gifts. And we hear Naaman's response. If you will not, if, that is, if you won't receive these gifts, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. Now this may strike us as quite a strange request. Why have a donkey load of dirt taken back to Syria or Aram? But this was Naaman's way of trying to show that he was going to worship the Lord and him alone. Yes, put, uh, look at what Naaman is aiming at here. He lived in a time where people often associated the different gods with different lands. So that if you were in one land, you worship that God. If you were in another land, you worship that God. He wanted to make it clear that even though he was going back to his home and work in Aram, he was no longer worshiping the gods of Aram. He was no longer worshiping Rimmon, the god of his, his king. No, he was worshiping the Lord, the God of Israel. For here was the earth to serve as a reminder to him and as a witness and testimony to others that he was confessing and sacrificing only to the Lord, the God of Israel, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the only God who saves, for he freely makes his promises and faithfully keeps them. 
Naaman wanted his actions, his actions to clearly confess who was most important in his life, who he was worshiping, none other than the God of Israel, the Lord. And so also, dear friends, as thankfulness springs up in our hearts, we want our actions to show that the Lord is the most important part of our life. We want others to see that everything else in life is secondary to the Lord our God. It's secondary to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That although we participate in this world and and we go about doing our daily chores as we carry out our responsibilities, We're not doing that, thinking that these things are our source of happiness or that health and wealth or or work and entertainment or family and friends is what's going to be most important to us. No, we want others to see by our actions that the Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, is the center of our life, that he reigns in our hearts so that we live for him as we do our daily work. For that brings to our Lord those offerings of thankfulness so that others too see how great and important the Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ is. And they too give him thanks, not only on Thanksgiving, but every day of the year. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.